Can I be too informed about recovery? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery. Brandon, another interesting topic as usual. This will be a fun one today. Oh, this is a good question. I'm excited about it. And I think that the guests that we have here will help us flush this out really well. So, But before we dive into all of that content, we've been talking about our Radiant Dawn conference. Um, Tyler, anything you want to say about it? Yeah, just again, that it's going to be a phenomenal conference. It's a women's conference for those wanting to work a wholehearted recovery from betrayal trauma. And at the time that we're recording this, which is actually on a couple week delay, we're already filling up our slots. We have a few slots left at that discounted price of $1,000. And then after those first 15 slots fill up, it'll bump to $1,500. So it's a, yeah. so, uh, so it's a three so day conference. In other words, yeah, in other words, get in on it now while you can at this price. Um, I imagine it's going to sell out at that price pretty quickly. So hopefully, Tyler, by the time we release this episode, there's still spots at the at the lower price. If not, it's still well worth the full price, fifteen hundred bucks, to come to the conference. So um, it's it's experiential, meaning you, you're going to have an experience. Um, it's going to be awesome. And so check it out at, is it radiantdawnconference.com? That's right. Okay. All right, Tyler, should we jump in? Yeah, let's do it. Um, Courtney is here with us today. Courtney, thank you for coming on the show. And, uh, if you don't mind, just introduce whatever parts will be pertinent for, for us to hear and ask your question and then we'll, we'll get going. Okay. My name is Courtney and I'm in Canada. (laughs) Um, My question is, is there such a thing as being too informed when it comes to recovery? Is there, can you be, yeah, too deep into recovery, I guess? Can you know too much? Give us a little background, Courtney. Give us a little context (laughs) as to why you're asking this question. Uh, Okay. So I started this recovery journey for myself for betrayal trauma in January. And I kind of am the type of person who goes full tilt. So counseling, um, podcasts, lots of podcasts, books, support groups, everything. And in my last couples counseling session with my husband, the counselor had kind of said like, you're doing a lot and it's overshadowing the little bit that he's doing. Um, you know, maybe slow it down. It kind of makes him feel not good enough. And so I just got to thinking like, this is helping me, um, a lot, try to process betrayal and his pornography addiction. Um, but can it be too much? Tyler, you have thoughts? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts, but before I just jump in and like share exactly what I'm thinking right now, we probably, I probably <laughs> breathe, uh, breathe. Yeah. I just got triggered by what you said, Courtney. Oh dear. Yeah. Oh, there's only one, only one little piece that triggered me. And that's why I'm going to try to step back and actually just be curious with this for a second. Um, so, so you said something 
And I want to ask you this because I think there is actually such a thing as therapy burnout. There's such a thing as like overdoing it sometimes with things. But, but my question is, is that if you had the choice to do what you're doing right now, as you're doing it, does it feel like it's overwhelming? Does it feel like it's too much or is it something that you find that's helpful and effective for you? Oh, definitely. It's helpful and effective. I don't feel too burnt out. And I, I mean, I'm doing workbooks and stuff for my 12 step group. And there are some days that I just don't pick it up. I don't do it. You know, I know that I need to take a step back or whatever. So I do try to pace myself. Okay. Okay. Tyler, Tyler, other questions you have? Um, no, yeah, I just, I, I want to make sure that, well, here's, here's the deal. Like right off the bat is, is that your recovery is your recovery. So you should work it at your pace. I don't think that the answer to, to getting a good recovery is a race to the bottom of who can do the least or not doing your recovery because, because you're going to hurt his feelings because he's not going to do the same things you're going to do. Like that would, that's already, that's already managing his emotions by not working. So Courtney, in other words, what we're saying is uh, it triggered both of us. We're, we're, and, and let me explain the trigger. We're both thinking this is crazy, horrible advice from a therapist to say, Hey, race to the bottom, be codependent with your husband about his shame. And, um, and, and like pump the brakes on getting healthy. And so what I think what Tyler and I are both wondering is maybe there's more context to what's going on as to why that therapist would, would give you that counsel or else, honestly, they're just a horrible therapist. So <laughs> my guess, I like to give therapists the benefit of the doubt because I've been misunderstood and mm-hmm. uh, the things I've said, you know, like totally misconstrued. Um, <clears throat> That was a much because, nicer way to say it, Brandon. <laughs> well, well, and maybe there is context, right, Courtney? Yeah. Like if, if you really take a step back and you say, okay, why would a therapist say that to me? Like let's give the, the therapist total benefit of the doubt here that they're trying to help you. Mm-hmm. Why would they say that to you? I mean, my husband and I are very different, right? I'm like type A, get it done. You know, if something needs to be done, I get up and do it. And he's, you know, let's sit and think about the six different ways that I could do it before I step foot into doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm like never leave a project unfinished, you know, um, and he will start lots of things and then not complete them. Like, I think we are different personalities and I, I'd like to think that that's what our therapist was sort of referring to was our personality differences, but it does make it hard for me then to understand my reality because what all the work that I'm doing seems like a lot. And then all the work that he's doing to him might seem a lot, but it's so little in comparison. Right. So. Is it Courtney, is it frustrating? Like you, you have a certain language now and understanding of recovery and, and what it actually is and can be. And it's like, you can't connect with your husband on that. Yes. Yeah. 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 And he does it. I mean, even my therapist had sort of said it. He doesn't like it when I use like therapy speak, but mm-hmm. it's really, for me, it's just language, like words that I never had before to describe, you know, intimacy, aversion or mm-hmm. things like that. I never had that before. Right. And so your husband kind of looks at you like, what are you talking about? You're very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm just trying to get the other side of the coin here, right? Yeah. And you're very intense. You're using all this new language. You're kind of, it, it feels like you're shooting all over me with what mm. I should be and should be doing and what I, what recovery is like, ugh, this is so overwhelming. Stop overwhelming me, Courtney. That's kind mm-hmm. of what's happening. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a little bit of a context, I can I can see where the therapist is coming from, mm-hmm. um, with 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 that understanding, um, and yet Tyler, what do you feel about that? No, actually, it, it it makes sense that there would be a discrepancy, probably on both sides. Like Courtney, you're probably looking at it and going like, "Geez, you're not doing anything for your recovery." I I don't know if you're saying that out loud or not, but you're probably feeling some of that. He might actually be really trying really, really hard. This is a common problem that we have with couples where one person feels like they're really busting it and the other person's like, oh, you're doing everything you should have been doing all along, you know, like, um, <laughs> exactly. and, and so, and so there, that gap there is, is something that probably needs to be acknowledged and probably needs to be addressed. Um, it needs to probably be talked about and, and it's okay that recovery might look a little bit different between each partner too. You know, one of the things that you probably like about your husband is that he's laid back and easygoing and, and, uh, and it's also one of the things that might be most frustrating. And so, um, so yeah, I think with Brown and your questions, there probably is a little bit of merit to it. My, my thought about it though, is a little bit different that the answer still isn't necessarily to not do your own recovery work. The answer is really to be curious with it yourself and to say, okay, where might I be overstepping my bounds, maybe stepping into control or manipulation, um, if, if at all, <clears throat> and I can maybe back off on some of those things. I can be empathetic and understanding and sensitive to my partner that they might be looking at things a little bit differently and, and that might be able to take a little bit of my frustration away. But the, the answer is still in my mind not to not do your own work. Yeah. Right. I'd really like what you said, Tyler, there of, of, you know, both individuals are, are individuals. Um, but, but here's the deal, Courtney. And I think this is the, the struggle from the betrayed's point of view is if you, if you got full throttle, like you're a hundred miles an hour in your recovery and he, you know, um, you're the hare and he's the tortoise and he's going at five miles an hour and he's bumping along when you've experienced betrayal trauma um, and all, all the everything start to come out, you realize there's some deal breakers in my relationship that if, if those things continue, then I don't know if the relationship's going to work. You know, things like broken trust, infidelity, gaslighting, manipulation, um, numbing out, disconnecting, intimacy aversion. Like I could go on and on. There's, there's those things that are prevalent when there's a, an addiction prevalent. And from a spouse's point of view, you're like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta like fix these things. These things need to be worked on and, um, and constantly kind of managed and, so that real recovery, peace, and happiness can happen and real awesome connection can happen between the two of us. But dang it, you're moving at five miles an hour. And at this rate, like when we're 80, we might have a little bit of intimacy. Um, I don't know if I'm okay with that, right? C- Courtney, what, what do you think about what I'm saying? 
Totally. That's, that's exactly how it feels. Like, you know, if this earth shattering thing doesn't make you get off your butt and, and step into it and like work for it, what, what would it take? Right? Like that's kind of how it often feels for me is like, this has completely changed my life, completely changed the course of my life and him stepping into genuine recovery, not just sobriety, but genuine recovery to me means, okay, if you do that, we can stay married. We can keep raising our kids together, you know, but if you don't like, where's the line for that? Like how, how minimal are you going to do and get away with, get away with it kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Courtney, your healthy recovery will, will dictate or demand for you to step into your honest truths and, and not just sit back and say, okay, like I'll sacrifice these truths forever for a long, long time, waiting and waiting and waiting for you. Um, then you're not in good recovery because mm-hmm. you're not being honest with yourself. Right. And that question that you just posed is a very important question of, and this is not about him. It's about you, Courtney of at what point or how long do I sit and wait? Um, so I actually think friction at this juncture is very good for you and your marriage. Um, for you to say, I want more, I need more. And for him to be like, that triggers my shame. This is hard. I don't want to mm. do it. So, so he's either going to man up and step up and hear you and fight for you and not do recovery exactly the way you tell him he, he needs to. Right. But but do recovery, like actually work recovery. Um, and so that friction is 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 like therapeutic friction. It's not a bad thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me yeah. let me yeah. uh let me clarify a little bit of what you just yeah. said, Brandon, because I know some of our listeners are here going like, Okay, Brandon just said go start fights and control my husband. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's like that's not exactly what you were saying. So no, I want to just be no. clear that what what Brandon is saying right now is is that it's okay for you to be honest with your feelings even if there is a little bit of discomfort and maybe a little bit of tension. It's probably not okay to go start fights and call names and and just have a fight for a fight and then tell him exactly how to work his recovery. Um, it is okay to say, this is kind of what I'm needing and this, if I'm going to stay and this is where I'm going to be going if, if not otherwise. And um, that will cause a little bit of friction. I think the right word was friction and not conflict, yeah. right? right. Um, so, okay, Tyler, so does she pump the brakes? Well, I, I've got another another thought now that I've calmed down a little bit. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad. <laughs> You're just so energetic, you know. Just just chill a little bit, Tyler. <laughs> I've uh, I frequently get accused of being too high energy. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah. So so here's one more thought for you, Courtney. Um, is that sometimes, and this is more on your side of things a little bit. Uh, maybe it's something to contemplate and think about here is that sometimes I get clients who use their intellect and their learning and their pursuit of that learning as its own defense mechanism where it allows them to feel and, you know, feel like they're doing a lot, but they're really running from actually having to deal with some of the internal issues that are still there, those actual feelings of betrayal or fear or shame or whatever else might be there. 
And the solution is always a cerebral sort of um, cognitive thing. And so those those clients oftentimes will turn into the learning and consumption of things. They're reading two or three books a week or they're, they've got the podcast on continuous loop even while they sleep type things, you know, <laughs> like um, and and they can come and they can talk really good with recovery, but but then the actual practical application of those principles is almost being dismissed or avoided because there's just so much effort and time being spent up here in your brain. Right. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think for me, part of being in a group keeps me away from that because <laughs> I talking to those girls every week, you know, and, and it helps me process for sure. Like I'm definitely not just, consuming. And I, at the beginning of my recovery, I would say I could have very easily fallen into that um, category if it hadn't been for finding a group and, you know, having a phone call once a week and chatting it out. And yeah. Yeah. I understand. Um, yeah. It's like the person who reads all the fitness books and never works out. <laughs> it sounds like, it sounds like you're not doing that, Courtney. It sounds yeah. like you're, you're actually doing the working out right in recovery. So, um, there, there's another thing too that I see a lot, which is, it's this, it's, um, you know, you, you're married, D-Day happens <clears throat> or however the disclosure comes out, maybe it comes out slowly or whatever. Uh, but then recovery, um, becomes, um, too, it becomes everything in the relationship. Um, the relationship is about sobriety. Um, it's about, we only talk recovery. We only talk, that's all it is. And, and and it's 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 interesting because that's counter um, it, or it's the it's the opposite of recovery because recovery is actually living a balanced healthy life um, where you have a relationship other than just talking about what you did in your twelve step meeting or whether he's been sober or you know what what is a relapse really or what is not a relapse so if if those are if if you're getting so much input of that over and over and over again if you're listening to hours of that um hours of real talk recovery on uh, you know that, then then throw in a different podcast about some some other hobby or something else um talk to your husband and connect with him on something else on the kids or um and, and because because that puts you more in balance again. Um, and so I do think there can be too much uh, consumption of recovery content. I do, Does I that do make sense, Courtney? Yeah. Go ahead, Tyler. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say I was going to agree with you, Brandon. And I know that I've actually been guilty of this myself several times where I try to like I'm constantly reading self-help books and things. And I kind of know when I'm getting to that point when um, – when I get through a book and I, number one, don't often remember a whole bunch of what I just listened to, that's part of it, or I do remember it, but my brain isn't able to synthesize it into the things I've already learned. And so it feels like, feels like there's not a lot of deep feeling and learning and listening to those things or, or reading about those things. It's just more of a surface level skim. And uh, at, at that point, I often have to slow myself down and like intentionally purposely slow down the amount of consumption. Um, because our, I think our brains can really only hold so much information at a time anyway, while we're trying to learn. You know. Courtney, what do you think about that? Totally. I completely agree. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why I sometimes like 
don't step into my step work, you know, you take a for break. a week. Like I take a break because it's just not, I'm just going through the motions then. And I don't, I mean, that's not real recovery either if you're just going through the motions. So mm-hmm. definitely, I totally feel that way. I think my biggest, I don't know, hang up or the reason why I had to ask or felt like I should ask the question was it's hard then to know if it's I'm trying, I'm just not giving it my all or I'm trying and this is the best that I can do or I'm not really trying and I'm just doing the minimum amount. Like I think a lot of betrayed spouses feel like, you know, this should be something that you give your all to. And then you listen to podcasts or read books and you hear of stories of these guys that just like have this radical, you know, road to Damascus moment. And then there's others that go like, yeah, I have a problem and I will read a book and attend a meeting once in a while, you know, and and you're like, what's genuine. So Courtney, I want to ask you, um, and, and be as honest as you possibly can be here. Okay. Um, if you were to just like flush out the fear of like trying to control him in, into recovery and, and not answer that this question from, from that place, but really check in with your gut, um, and, and with your, your gut feels and with what your emotions are telling you about how safe you are, how unsafe you are. Um, what is going on with him, with his recovery? I would say in terms of like his sexual addiction, he's very aware and he realizes that it's a problem and he's doing the work when it comes to intimacy aversion. I think the fact that the therapist that we're seeing calls it intimacy anorexia and it's intentional. I think he's really struggling to get over that piece. I think in his mind, it was never intentional. He never withheld love from me. He never withheld praise. It wasn't intentional. And so I think he's good in one aspect and he's safe and he sees it. And then in another aspect, I think he just can't accept it. So where you want movement more is with the intimacy anorexia. Yeah. The, the sex addiction, you see some progress and he's dealing with that. I, I'm almost, yeah. Your answer is really interesting because what I'm hearing you say is um, that he acknowledges and sees the sex addiction, but that he's in denial about the intimacy aversion or intimacy anorexia. Mm-hmm. And so you you don't have much hope or feel good about him moving forward with recovery with that because – you think that he doesn't even really acknowledge or see that that's a problem. Is that? Yeah. 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 Um, so, so it might not just be laziness or whatever. It might, it might actually be like, why would I acknowledge what I, I mean, why would I work on something that I don't even acknowledge is mm-hmm. there? Yeah. That's frustrating, especially <laughs> with intimacy, anorexia as a spouse. That is very, a, a very tough place to be in Courtney. So, yeah, yeah, there, there could be, you know, that, that answer was actually really interesting because what you basically said is yes, he's working his recovery. So there's a part of me that's feeling good about that. And then there's this section that doesn't feel quite so good. And Brandon's right, but it also might be an indicator of, of other things like um, vulnerability and shame being much deeper and bigger 
around your actual relationship with one another than even the than even the acting out you know sexually with porn or whatever would be um and so this could be something this could be a really big insight if the discussions were capably being had and being fair to your husband would be to 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 discuss some of the reasons why and if he's still there just totally in denial that is going to be frustrating it's gonna be feeling like hitting a brick wall and that's where some of the friction brandon's talking about is probably going to come um but understanding that there might be some underneath things there you know, you use the words, you know, tortoise and hare earlier. And I, I think, you know, in my practice, sometimes we talk about dealing with a turtle and the turtle is the one that's always in self-protective mode. They tend to go inward. They tend to shut down. They tend to slow down. They tend to kind of pause and paralyze themselves when there's fear and shame. And, and it could be that your husband is operating as a turtle. And if that's true, then, then some of the work is to invite coming out of the shell and movement forward again, even if it isn't at a really fast pace. Um, and it'd be nice to know if that's part of what's going on as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, Tyler, we get the question all the time. How do I get into your groups and how do I get the therapy that I need? We frequently have groups starting in an online fashion so you can get help wherever you are in the world. You can find a group that will help you with the things that we talk about. Brandon, how do they find you? Liftforrecovery.com. You can get into my lift group. It's a full comprehensive group program, both for betrayal trauma and sex addiction. And it's awesome. So I'd love to have you there. What about you, Tyler? We run what's called a Foundations of Recovery group, which is for both betrayal, trauma, and addiction as well, all online. And it covers the basics of recovery, shame resiliency, mindfulness, a toolbox, helping to cope with healing, and also different kinds of communication. And you can find that at lovestrong.com. So there's options. There's no excuse now. If you are ready to work recovery, you can come work with me or you can come work with Tyler and you'll get the help you need at either one of our programs. So come and join us at lovestrong.com or, or liftforrecovery.com. Yeah. <laughs> but t- Tyler, I, I think, and Courtney, I'm wondering what this, this, how this will make you feel when I say this. I, I actually think that the, the sex addiction piece is more of a symptom like the 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 acting out the behavior the compulsive behavior sexually um it's you know it's a if we look at it closely it's a it's a non-vulnerable way to to meet sexual needs right um and so i i wonder i believe the sexual anorexia or intimacy anorexia is more closer to the root of the issue and in dealing with that, you're going to actually have to step into the cave you fear to enter. You're going to have to deal with your deepest fears, your deepest pains um, in order to create the shifts that you want to create to be a real vulnerable partner who can create intimacy. And I think it can be frustrating of, okay, you're working this sexual addiction recovery, which almost feels like you're placating things, me and things, because you're saying, look, look at me, I'm dealing with the the symptom here, but what I'm not addressing is the root Mm -hmm. and what I'm not really going after are the the biggest things. What do you think about that, Courtney? 
Yeah. And I think, I mean, I felt this way kind of all the way along is I don't think he thinks he's worth doing that recovery work, honestly. And, and, you know, I made my peace almost with the sexual addiction stuff relatively quick. I want to say, like, I kind of went, you know, that's between you and God. It really doesn't have a lot to do with me, even though you had an affair, I kind of was able to put that aside because for me, the bigger hurt was the intimacy anorexia stuff that that stuff directly affects me and was directed towards me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like through both of my pregnancies and my deliveries, even like he just was so disconnected and not there. And that's stuff that I can't get back. Right. So I would definitely say that the IA stuff is way more um, the root. Yeah. Yeah. It's closer to the root. Yeah. It's interesting what you said. You said, I don't know if he thinks that he's worth doing that hard work. Mm -hmm. And that's where you get stuck, right? That's where the loop, it's like, okay, I can do the sexual addiction work because like, yeah, we can kind of dance on the surface here, but am I worth it? And, and so to do that work, a sexual or an intimacy anorexic, I keep interchanging those two. An intimacy anorexic will do whatever they can to not be intimate. And so if I can do sexual addiction work in order to not get down to the intimate stuff, then I'll do the sexual addiction work, right? So it's frustrating as a partner. It's really, it's really hard. Well, Brandon, the other, the other thing that in that cycle you're talking about is, is that that's really where the rubber meets the road too on a partner not being able to do their other, their husband's work for him. Is that when you yeah, get, you can't, when you get, when you get down to the actual root of the issue here, it's like how many, if it's a shame issue here, which it sounds like it is, I, you, in, when you said he doesn't believe he's worth it, what are you going to go to him every day and be like, Hey, you're amazing. Like you're the best person in the world. Like I, you know, and, and he's that gonna will be trigger like, his shame and he'll disconnect. He's gonna be like, Oh yeah, you're right. Like I deserve it. Like, you know, unless, unless he's willing to go into that place mm-hmm. and say, you know what? And so that's why the frustration comes is, is that there really is, that's where the buck stops and you can't really reach too far in other than to be encouraging and understanding. Um, but, but understanding that that's going on could also help to take some of the sting out of it for you so that you can make decisions in a little bit more of a rational than an emotional way. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Courtney, I want to ask you, do you go to the same therapist as him? Yes. Uh, so our couples therapist is our couples and then it's also his personal. And then I see a different lady, but in the same office. Okay. Um, and with his individual work, is there trauma work being done? Not that I am aware of. Okay. How, and how long has he been going to therapy? Um, April of this past year. Yeah. Okay. Not super, super regularly, but Okay. Um, if he were my client, um, how often are, how often are you doing couples work? Uh, we did do an intensive. So we flew out to the location and and did three days, three days. Was it in Colorado? No, we did it in, um, BC, in Abbotsford, BC, but kind of by the same. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, maybe once a month, once every other month, We've okay. done couples. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> sex addiction and intimacy anorexia is not a couple's issue. Um, so, <laughs> and what I mean by that is it's not that you, you don't solve it by solving the relationship. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it affects the relationship drastically, yes. But you don't solve it by solving the relationship. So you right next to his side, um, you know, fixing this with him is not is not the critical piece to to solving it. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I, you know, every month, a month and a half, having a couple session is, I think, a good idea. A check in, kind of logistically, where are we at? How are you feeling? Um, but I would be focused on individual trauma work with him, and I'd be doing EMDR, uh, parts work, um, ART, any of that that stuff that's going to hit those roots over and over and over again. Um, and unless that starts getting addressed quickly, I believe you're you're kind of throwing your money away a little mm-hmm. bit, um, and and you're going to feel more and more frustrated with the therapy and. And so to that, that's what, that's what I would kind of maybe take a step back if I were you and say, Hey, like, like, this is what I want to see, you know, Mm -hmm. and and for you to be willing to do your own trauma work as well. So, yeah, I did do um, a couple sessions of EMDR this past summer for the IA um, trauma stuff. And I found that incredibly helpful. Um, and actually after our last couple's appointment, I had said to him, like, I think you just need to see him on your own. Like, I think, you know, I'm going to see my girl and you see him. And because at the end of the day, I feel like I'm doing good work and making progress. And I just, I want him to step up and do that as well. And I can't make him right. I'm powerless, but I also was really hopeful that this therapist would be, you know, his big slogan is sort of men make men. And so I was really hoping that this, mm-hmm. this ther- therapist would like call him to get into the d- deeper stuff and, and to dig down to the root of things. And I just, I haven't seen that. And it's hard for me to know if that's just because I'm not staying in my own lane or if that's because, right? Like, but Courtney, it's okay for you to say what you just said. Okay. I, I feel from you a little bit, like I'm, I'm scared that I'm like overstepping my bounds and mm-hmm. you you can reflect back to him and to the therapist, what you're seeing without being, and, and the therapist might have boundaries with you and say like, I, we know here's the process of what we're doing. Thank you for your feedback. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's okay. That's what you're seeing. And it's important, I think, for you to voice up and acknowledge that you're frustrated as to the course here and where this is going. Okay. Yeah, there's, a, there's, never, there's never a problem with sharing your own feelings and your own perspective. That's not controlling. Um, it's okay. Like, that's authenticity. And, and if you don't ask those questions, you won't get explanations either. Like you're just going to continue to go on in the darkness, feeling the way that you feel. Well, and identifying my needs, right. Coming back to that, which you said at the kind of at the beginning, like that's a very difficult thing for me because I was a very confident person before I got married. And then I married someone who's IA and SA and just over time you lose your voice. You lose, you know, I shouldn't have needs. I shouldn't be able to speak what I need because it's a burden or it's too much or I'm too controlling or I'm too, right? Like all the things that you start to believe about yourself. And so now that I'm in recovery, I'm really trying to find my voice again and being able to identify my needs. But I'm still always worried that I'm going to come across as controlling, too demanding, your expectations are too high. You know, all the things that I've been told for years. Courtney, I don't know. Oh, go ahead, Tyler. Uh, one of the things that <laughs> it's just funny. It's funny, Courtney, that uh, that the measuring bar 
so often gets sent gets set by the person who has the the biggest problem you know so so like so like with uh so with uh with boundaries you know so often we hear this with boundaries work where someone starts to set some boundaries and then they come back and they're like well that wasn't right because i'm being controlling now because they said that it makes them feel this or this or this and it's like um well actually the the measuring bar isn't from the outside in it's from the inside out which is why did i set the boundary and if i can trace it back to saying well i have these values and i'm protecting these values inside myself and they happen to not like what i did that's a healthy boundary and i could do the exact same boundary in terms of what it looks like but do it with for the wrong reasons be like yep i'm going to make sure he changes and that he gets better and i'm mm -hmm. going to force him to do this and but it was it's really your internal intention that would that would measure whether or not you were being healthy it's not it's not the external does that make sense right yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think as a therapist and just being well-connected, um, I have a healthy distrust for therapists that treat intimacy, anorexia, and sexual addiction, um, and a healthy gauge for what's, what's like healthy and what's not. And it's interesting, um, you know, so many people, they think, well, they have letters behind their name, so they know what they're doing. Um, <laughs> not necessarily true. And mm -hmm. I'm blown away sometimes when I hear about therapists and it's like, whoa, like they're a good therapist. Like I would go there. That's amazing. Like they're better than me. Um, but then I'm blown away a lot of times too by like, oh my gosh, what is that therapist doing? And I don't have enough context, Courtney, to tell you whether you have a good therapist there or not. Mm -hmm. um, but I will tell you this, and you may, be, you may be presenting very different with us than you do in therapy and with your husband, but you are not too intense. Um, <laughs> like your energy is not overwhelming and you don't seem like you want to, you know, control this conversation or force your will or make sure that we hear something. Mm -hmm. um, you seem very open and willing to listen and willing to learn and humble. Um, and so that's, that's how you've been in the last 45 minutes here with us. Um, and if this is kind of the normal you, then I would say, Courtney, keep doing you. Like, mm -hmm. keep it up. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mute that or stop that, because you're just inquisitive and a learner, and you're honest. That's okay, right? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how I view myself. Like, I ask questions, and I just want to know what's going on and, you know, and I'm, I am really working very much on trying to identify my core values and come from a place of that and stand in that truth versus trying to control. Cause I think for the last six years when everything was out of control, right, obviously I was like, who did I marry this man who is so disconnected from me and so unloving at times and just, yeah, you know, I, I thought, well, it has to be me. It has to be me. It has to be me because he tells me it's me, right? You're too controlling. You're too this, you're too this, you're too this. So, I mean, I'm trying to unlearn all of that kind of stuff and, and regain my voice and my truth, but I'm still always that like hint of you're too 
much. You're too much. Mm -hmm. you're, you, your expectations are way too high for everyone else, including yourself. You're too controlling. You're trying to manipulate the situation. Don't stay in your own lane very well. You do you know, hear the gas? Do you hear the gaslight there? <laughs> yeah. So the, the, do you hear it, Courtney? Yeah. I mean, the, there's a difference between him saying, you're too much, you're too much, you're too much. He's saying, you should change, you should change, you should mm. change, versus him him healthily having a boundary with you, of being able to say, Courtney, I hear you. Um, yes, you have a lot of thoughts, a lot of ideas. You've learned a lot of things, and that's, that's fine, um, but I'm not going to feel forced or obligated to do this or that because you're telling me about those things. I'm, I'm okay. Right. Mm -hmm. But the gaslight there is, is the turn of the tables back on you. Look how unhealthy you are, Courtney. Look how too much you are. Look how mm -hmm. you need to change. And, and then you're spinning up over here, wondering about how unhealthy you are while he's not working on himself. Uh, and that's exactly how gaslighting works. In fact, that's a great example of it. And you're well versed in it. You know about it, right? <laughs> yeah. If, if there's I anyone, learn a lot. <laughs> if there's anyone who knows, it would be you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, what do you What are you thinking time. and feeling, Courtney, right now? I. It's all stuff that I like know, right? In in all of the recovery work that I've done, it's finding your, your core values and standing mm -hmm. in your truth and being boundaried, which is also something that I massively struggled with just in my marriage. I don't feel like I was, you know, struggled with boundaries in any of my other relationships, but I felt like, I guess, coming from a Christian background, you submit to your husband, the leave and cleave thing like that. I all took that to mean you don't have boundaries with your husband. And I just took on whatever he, I don't know, gave me, which was a lot of, you know, you're a problem. And so I know all of this. I know that, you know, finding my voice and speaking my truth and being boundaried and it coming from an internal place and not an external place of control is, is right. I'm just now scared, I guess, of being told that all of this recovery work that you're doing is really giving you a, a complex or mm -hmm. um, giving you all this language that I'm just not versed in. And then that makes me feel bad about myself because I'm not, I don't know all this, these, this lingo and I haven't read all the books or listened to the podcasts. And I mean, my head goes immediately to, well, why not? You know, you could listen to a podcast. You could read a book. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and the middle ground might be that he, he could lean in a little bit and say, you know what, I'm probably not going to read or listen like you do. And I could go and be responsible for my own learning instead of telling someone else not to learn. <laughs> you know, it's like, I think, I think this is, and maybe you're going to get me on my soapbox. So I'm going to stop quickly, but this is something that's wrong with our world today is, is that that seems to be the solution is, is that let's just all slow down and, and not excel so that would, nobody feels bad. You know, uh, this is <laughs> recovery doesn't work that way. It, life doesn't really work that way. You know, um, mm -hmm. D despite the fact that we want to make it feel that way. Courtney, what's the feedback you get from your, your group members about, I'm, I'm sure you've thrown some of this past them about how overwhelming you are, how much you learn or what, what do they say to you? Um, I mean, they understand my frustration. There's one other girl in the group that's very much like me, kind of type a worst case scenario for everything. Um, 
but it's nice to have other girls in the group that do offer a different perspective. I mean, no one in the group has ever said like, you are too much. You ask too many questions. You're too intense. I think they all, I mean, we all get it. We all understand betrayal and betrayal trauma and what we're working through. And even though that looks different for each of us, we still all feel it. You know, Mm -hmm. you're still on your journey. And there are some ladies that do tons of work every week and some that don't, right? Like I, I understand that we are all different, but I think with those, with those lovely ladies, like we're all just learning to, to find our voice again and to, to step into like who God made us to be and not who your husband says you are. Okay. So right there is one of the, the critical pieces for you that, that, that I want you to cling to, which is to find women and they might not be perfectly healthy, but women who want to be mm-hmm. and, and women who can support you to trust your gut to have a voice to step into your truths because you may come up against your husband, therapists, church leaders, people who want to drag you away from recovery. And, and I I want you to just step into the healthy and, and, and step into that healthy friction. And, and the way that you do that is to have support behind you is to, Mm -hmm. is to be able to say like, it's okay. It's okay. You're okay. Because walking this path alone can seem nearly impossible, right? So, yeah. so rely on good support. Um, continue listen to healthy, good things too. I don't know exactly what you're listening to. There is some bad information out there. We've Tyler and I have talked about it before. Um, that can push you into things like fear and control and mm-hmm. and all of those things. So. Just, just really what you listen to, notice how you feel and whether it's like pushing you forward into your strength or making you feel more crazy and, and more controlling. Um, but yeah, rely on that support because you're going to have to stand strong even when maybe more than just your husband is saying you're unhealthy and you're crazy and you shouldn't. Right. Yeah, I... I agree a hundred percent with what Brandon's saying right now. And it sounds like you're doing those right things. It sounds like you've got a good, a good team and, you know, a pretty good BS meter too. Um, (laughs) so, (laughs) so, so I think you're, I think you're on the right track. Thank you. Yeah. I'm trying to be right. Again, that's part of my learning is fleshing out things that just don't feel right. I have listened to some of those podcasts that instilled a lot of fear mm-hmm. um, and read some books that did not prove to be helpful at all. And so, yeah, I, the girls have been the most supportive. I think getting yourself a group of girls for anyone who's listening, if you don't have a support group um, or women that you meet with or can like talk this through, you know, they just provide a totally different perspective it's so critical. Yeah. Yes. Well, Courtney, we're running low on time. We sure appreciate you being here today. Do you have any last question for us that you have to get out before we let you go? I think that was it. I'll probably think of something later. Okay. Reach, <laughs> but... reach back to us. Yeah, yeah. We'd love to have you on again. So yeah. we really appreciate you coming and having courage enough to talk about your situation. And I think ask really important questions that... Um, you are not alone in the situation that you're in. So it's going to really help somebody. So thank you, Courtney. Thank you. All right. See you guys.